0: Sarah Luterman's got a confession to make. She was never really a fan of Britney Spears' music.
1: I'm a little embarrassed to admit that, actually. Why? Well, because, like, when I was in high school, I was kind of like one of those not-like-other-girls-girls, and I had blue hair and got, like, caught up in this idea that, like, Britney Spears is, like, shallow. And, you know, as, as I've gotten older, I've realized how ridiculous that was and how kind of misogynist it was.
0: Now... Sarah's kind of a Britney Spears expert, not an expert in the Us Weekly gossip column sense, but an expert on Britney's legal situation. Sarah covers disability rights. She's watched over the last few years as Britney Spears fans have organized, advocated, pressured California's courts to free Britney from a conservatorship that controls her finances and a whole lot of her life. No one really knew a whole lot about this legal arrangement until last week. That's when Britney Spears herself testified in open court about it. The audio leaked almost immediately.
2: I truly believe this conservatorship is abusive. And now we can sit here all day and say, oh, conservatorships are here to help people. But ma'am, there's a thousand conservatorships that are abusive as well. I don't feel like I can live a full life.
0: Britney Spears spoke for more than 20 minutes. It felt like a breathless, run-on sentence. She said she had no control over her finances, could not make her own reproductive choices, couldn't choose her own mental health care, and she begged the judge for help.
1: I wish I could stay with you on the phone forever because... When I get off the phone with you, all of a sudden, all of I hear, I hear all these no's. No, no, no. And then all of a sudden I get, I feel ganged up on and I feel bullied and I feel left out and alone. And I'm tired of feeling alone.
0: But none of this surprised Sarah.
1: I knew that, like, Britney Spears was experiencing, like, a really shocking loss of autonomy. How did you know? Well, so there are some people in the disability community who call conservatorship or or guardianship, as it's called in some other states, uh, civil death.
0: Civil death?
1: Yeah. I mean, you you essentially legally stop being a person. All of the the civil rights that you have are basically afforded to your guardian.
0: Today on the show, what Britney Spears' case means not just for her— but for the hundreds of thousands of people just like her. People who don't have a social media campaign that's focused on setting them free. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick around. This episode is brought to you by Discover. Sarah Luterman has been researching guardianships like the one Britney Spears is under for a long time. She's full of these facts that crystallize why these arrangements can be problematic. One by one, she says, guardianships can pluck away a person's civil rights. In some states, people under guardianship can't vote. I think in California, Britney Spears could vote with permission. This is all very personal for Sarah, too. She's autistic and partially blind. So things that might have stood out about Britney Spears' testimony to people without disabilities, they sort of made Sarah shrug. Like at one point, Britney Spears talked about being forced to go to therapy with providers she didn't like and didn't trust, sent to offices where she suspected paparazzi might be lurking. And I heard that, and I thought, doesn't that defeat the purpose of therapy? Mental health care is all about trust. Sarah heard that, and she thought, It was a perfect example of how there are two systems of psychiatric care in America, one for "quote unquote" regular folks, and one for people with serious mental health issues.
1: That also didn't surprise me. Like the idea of being afraid of talking to your therapist about certain things, about being worried about being non-compliant, like those are those are very real fears that I I've experienced and that some of my friends have experienced. I, I I haven't been under guardianship, thank God, but like. When people think you're crazy, nothing you say is believable. Like, everything can be undermined. You're just assumed to be an unreliable narrator. Yeah. Like, I thought what she was describing was, it's just something I've heard before from other people who have been in similar situations. It's something I've experienced.
0: Yeah. The main thing Britney Spears kept coming back to again and again in her testimony was the fact that she wants to end her conservatorship without being evaluated. Could
1: you explain the significance of that? Uh, well, it's actually very difficult to end a conservatorship or guardianship under any circumstances. There's a case of a, a young man named Ryan King. Like, he's not a young man anymore. It's been years. So Ryan King uh, finished high school and he has an intellectual disability and his parents were told like a lot of parents are, look, he has an intellectual disability. You need to put him under guardianship. So they did, cause that's what they were told they had to do. So they put him under their guardianship. And so his parents are like, they have that, that power over him as an adult. And, you know, he, he was actually like a very functional independent adult, um, unexpectedly. So he, uh, you know, he had a job at a supermarket for like 10 years. He was paying his own rent. So his parents like looked at the situation and they talked to him about it. And they were like, you know, we don't really think we need this guardianship. Like you're clearly fine. So they go to the court and uh, ask the court to remove the guardianship. And, And in this case, like everybody agrees. Like the parents agree who are the guardians. Ryan agrees. And the court said no. Why? Because once someone is determined to be under guardianship, like it's like it's civil death. Like it's, it's very unusual for a guardianship to be removed or reversed. Like, because the idea is that like it gets imposed when someone is fundamentally incapable and then being able to prove you're capable when you've been determined to be fundamentally incapable is like a catch 22 like you don't you don't have the opportunities to to really prove your
0: competence. So what Brittany Spears is asking for here is doubly hard because she's asking to leave the guardianship which seems very difficult to do at all. And then she's also asking to leave the guardianship without some kind of stamp of approval that she's
1: okay. It's more that like The evaluation is kind of pointless. Like the evaluation would never find her to be fit. Yes. Really? There's no chance? It would be unusual. I mean, I guess there's a lot of unusual things about Britney Spears uh, and the case because just of who she is and how much money is involved. But, like, I understand why she doesn't want the evaluation. And I don't think that the evaluation should be necessary. And I'm also skeptical that the evaluation would treat her fairly based on every other guardianship case involving this kind of like reevaluation of ability that i've ever seen
0: <laughs> what happened with that case you were talking about with the man whose family was wanted him to be free of guardianship did he ever get out from under it
1: yeah it took them 10 years and lawyers
0: Part of what I think it makes conservatorship or guardianship so difficult to talk about is that the laws vary state by state. But in California, where Britney Spears is, the system is supposed to favor limited conservatorships, right? Like, how did it even get to this point where it took years and years and years for Britney Spears to even be speaking in front of the court? And by the time she is, she's clearly desperate.
1: I mean, the the thing like I, I think just in general like when we talk about l- least restrictive options like it varies on the state but like for the most part conservatorship or guardianship is not designed that way like it, it's like a light switch it's all or nothing um
0: so the least restrictive guardianship is still very restrictive
1: yes there there are like some more limited type options uh like uh, you can have a fiscal sponsor who just helps you manage your money. You could have a power of attorney where someone else is managing your legal affairs, but you have still have the right to say no and to replace them. Like there there are less restrictive options. It's just that like guardianship is just like a very extreme measure. In the writing about Britney Spears
0: and her testimony, a lot of people talk about how outstanding her case is and a lot of writers you know they talk about how usually these arrangements are made for people who are old and infirm and i wonder if you'd take issue with that a little bit if you think when people write about these arrangements that way they're
1: missing the point i mean yeah i i i do think that when people write about the arrangements that way they're missing the point um i mean it's it's, it's it's complicated, like everything else is. Like there are legitimately some people who struggle to make decisions about things that you know they need to to live. So, um, like for example, right now, uh, Nichelle Nichols, the 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 actress who played Uhura on like the original Star Trek, um, her her family recently put her under under conservatorship. Um, but the reason for that was because there was a a so-called friend who was sort of like financially exploiting her. and because she's older and she she was, yeah, she was being exploited. And so they they did that because they wanted to protect her. And that's like a, that's a very laudable that's a laudable goal, you know, <laughs> like I, I think that it's completely reasonable for families to want to protect people they care about. The problem is that the guardianship system itself is just so unregulated. Um, we don't actually even know how many people are under guardianship in the United States.
0: I mean, I read it was over a million, which was more than I was
1: expecting. Well, well so that's just an estimate from the AARP. Like, we don't actually know because there's no federal reporting standards. There are the state records are really shoddy. Um, there's no, like, rules about how things are recorded or about, like, whether records are even saved. So, like, we we don't know how many people are under guardianship in the United States. Uh, We don't really know, like, how many guardianships end. Um, I mean, like, we have anecdotal evidence and stories, but, like, we don't have statistics. Like, those numbers just don't exist because we haven't been keeping
0: track. The other challenging thing about talking about guardianship, to me, seems to be that each arrangement is a little bit unique, has its own reasons for existing. It has its own person in charge. Like with Britney Spears, it's her family who's in charge, especially her dad. But then there are cases where the state gets involved and the state takes over, even when the family doesn't want them to. Like there was this case in Maine, a guy named William Dean, who is a savant, and had a mental mental health crisis after his mother passed away. And his family actually wanted to be conservators for him. They said, we want to help him." But the state stepped in and said, no, we're going to take care of this." And the results seemed to be disastrous, oh man. that case haunts me.
1: this' <laughs> one of the most I, it's a very extreme case uh, and but everything once again, everything that happened was completely legal. um yeah, he was a savant who really loved musical instruments. He had like a collection of historical organs, um, and the state, yeah, and the state sold all of them. Uh, and they sold the properties that his mother had owned for under for less than market value considerably. And he had waterfront property in Maine. Yeah, yeah, like it. it and also, they euthanized his cat caterpillar. And did the state ever explain why? I mean, they still assert that what they did was right and necessary. Uh William Dean and his family actually brought a suit um to to try to get the state to like give something back to them after <laughs> having essentially destroyed his life. Uh, and it was determined that everything that happened was legal. Um and Dean died before any sort of any any kind of justice could have even been meted out.
0: You make this point that I think is really important in your writing when you talk about these cases of guardianship and conservatorship. You talk about how non-disabled adults make harmful decisions all the time and they usually don't risk losing their civil rights for it. But a disabled yeah. adult is in a different situation where if they make a bad decision, someone, a family member or the state, can step in and all of a sudden lay claim to so many aspects of their life. And I thought that was just a really useful framing because you think about conservatorship and a lot of people think about it as a form of protection. It can be a form of protection to keep someone safe. And it's, uh, it's meant to be a good thing, but by framing it in a different way from the disabled person's perspective, you really see how
1: harmful it can be. It's hard to know because once again, there's no data, but I do think that most, like, especially family conservators and guardians are probably very well-intentioned and care about their relatives. Like that's, I don't contest that at all. Um, the the problem is that like if you have a system that relies on the unchecked like the unchecked unsupervised benevolence of someone who like more or less has absolute power over another person like that's that's dangerous um or like i mean like the state was able to do all of those things to william dean because it was legal um and and like yeah that's the thing like um (sighs) in disability service provision there's this concept uh that's called the right to eat too many donuts and then take a nap
0: <laughs> i'm I'm um, in favor of that right
1: yeah so like i mean like that's the thing like if a non-disabled person decides i'm gonna i'm gonna skip work and uh i'm gonna like i don't know have a couple drinks and eat a whole bunch of donuts and then take a nap and i'm not gonna do the things i'm technically supposed to do today um because i feel like it that person isn't going to have, like, any of their fundamental rights taken away. Like, that's a thing that normal people are allowed to do. But if you have a disability and you do those things, that's seen as, like, further evidence of your incapacity and inability to responsibly manage your own life. After the break,
0: why some families choose a conservatorship
2: Price and coverage match, limited by state law.
0: Sarah Luterman says sometimes conservatorships are necessary, but that's often because states don't give families other options. It's either enter a guardianship or wonder
1: if the state is going to create one of its own. I do think that like we're always going to need some kind of like proxy decision making. Like there are genuinely some people who uh can't communicate what their preferences are like in ways that would be meaningful to most other people for example like i have a friend whose son is under is under guardianship because they don't really have other options um he's non-speaking and he has an intellectual disability and like he has preferences like you know he likes he has like foods he likes or maybe he wants to go swimming one day and not another day but like it, it, it wouldn't be possible to like consult him about his tax situation you know that kind of thing this is actually something I've sort of been struggling to write about is um there's sort of this situation where like when people have those kinds of disabilities the state sort of creates a situation where like they're Parents don't have another choice. Why? Because the le- less res- the less restrictive option in that case would be power of attorney, which um, gets used with older folks, um, where like a- an elderly person can designate someone else as the person who makes their legal decisions, but they still retain all of their their civil rights. And you can't do that with someone with a significant disability like that, because they are seen as fundamentally incompetent and incapable of giving consent.
0: So they couldn't even agree to enter into the relationship in the first place?
1: According to the state, yeah. Some families are just forced to go for the more restrictive environment because otherwise they're just like kind of hoping that the state won't step in.
0: Oh, so it's a way for the parents to prevent the state from from assuming control. Yes. Do your friends fear that the state might
1: institutionalize their child or otherwise try to control them? I mean, that was why they got guardianship essentially. And, and I have other friends who haven't gotten guardianship for their kids with those kinds of disabilities. And they're basically just hoping that doesn't happen and trying to figure out what a better option might be. Like it's really, it's not a great situation. Um, like, when you, when you ask whether some people need to be under guardianship, like, I do think that some people need help with, like, need significant assistance making decisions, need someone in their life who can make decisions that they might not be able to understand. But I, I, I don't know. I don't think that that has to be guardianship. Like, I think there has to be a more just, less restrictive way to structure all this stuff.
0: A lot of disability rights advocates cite this case, Buck versus Bell that went to the Supreme Court. Do you think it's worth talking about that case and, and how it kind of frames this bigger issue you're talking about, about not just conservatorships, but how the legal community has seen people who are
1: disabled? Yeah, so Bucky Bell was uh, a case that happened uh, in the early 20th century, and it's 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 like the eugenics case. It's the the basis for whether the government can legally forcibly sterilize people in this country. Um, the, the question was, uh, there was this woman named Carrie Buck, and her mother had been institutionalized. She had a, a child out of wedlock, and this was seen as her being fundamentally unfit. And so then she was institutionalized and then the institution wanted to sterilize her because they felt that uh, she was dysgenic and wouldn't, uh, would produce, you know, offspring that would degrade the human race, um, specifically the white race, if we're going to be really specific, like if we're going to be honest about uh, sort of the ideological uh, underpinnings of this. She was white. Yes basically eugenics of the time was very popular and there's this quote from Oliver Wendell Holmes he wrote the majority decision and he said uh three generations of idiots is enough ouch yeah <laughs> and buck versus bell was never
0: overturned was it
1: no no it was never overturned
0: so that still stands yes i, I wonder if there's an alternative framework for disabled Americans, people who might need some assistance, but don't want to surrender their civil rights. What, what does that look like?
1: Yeah. So there's this uh, sort of newer legal construct called supported decision-making that's increasingly popular in the intellectual and developmental disability community. Seniors are using it now too, which is really interesting. And basically, instead of losing all of their civil rights, a person retains their civil rights and then has like advisors either like informal or formal um, depending on the state and like how the pilot program is structured. And those people help someone make the big decisions. Like if someone wants to move to a new apartment, they'll talk about like, okay, here's how much it costs. Like and help walk, walk the person through like all of the, the things that they should understand about it. And the person can defer to their supporters if they Think like oh, I don't. I don't know how to how to do that. I need help with that.
0: Are there supporters like trained or anything, or is it just is it just friends or family?
1: It can be both. Some states have more formal supporters, like like money managers or people that are uh, through nonprofits, and then some states just have like just family members, people, siblings, their parents, friends, even. What I
0: keep coming back to with Britney Spears is that. It's clear that she has very few people around her that she trusts. Like, she talks in her testimony about her whole family, essentially, being people that she even potentially wants to sue. I just look at that and I think, I I don't know a good way out of this situation for her. Like, she's been surrounded by people she doesn't trust for so long. She's asking for that entire system to fall away. And then the question becomes... What comes in its
1: place? Do you think about that? I mean, I just feel like maybe she doesn't need a system. Like, why do we get to decide what's good for Britney Spears? Why does Britney Spears' family get to decide what's good for Britney Spears? If she does stop having like this framework and she has another mental health crisis, like why, why is she not allowed to do that? Like, why is she not allowed to struggle, to have difficulties, to, to make bad decisions? Like, those are all things normal people do all the time. Sarah, thank you so
0: much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Sarah Luderman is a freelance journalist covering disability policy, politics, and culture. And that's our show. What Next is produced by Mary Wilson, Elena Schwartz, Daniel Hewitt, Carmel Delshad, and Davis Land. We get advice and guidance from Allison Benedict and Alicia Montgomery. And I'm Mary Harris. You can go see how my dog is coping with the heat on Twitter. I'm at Mary's desk. Meanwhile, I'll catch you back in this feed tomorrow.